joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue. Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 today is, is some things that we'll be looking at as we kind of get uh, this particular series that we've been in um, and, and kind of wrap it up and bring it to a conclusion. I appreciate uh, the comments and the encouragements that you have passed along from this series. It seems to have uh, touched some of you in, in, a, in a good way, and I appreciate uh, you sharing that with me and giving me that feedback. Uh, before we get into this, before we pray, uh, I did get a message that Miss Bobby has a blood clot in her hip, uh, and they are awaiting kind of the next step for that uh, to figure out what they're going to do next. So uh, we'll say a special prayer for her and also for us as well as we go into this study together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the chance to, to worship you today. We thank you for the opportunity to be with each other and to just lift our voices together today to unite our hearts and spirit with each other, God. We just thank you for this moment now that we get to open up your word and, and study for a few moments. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to be convicted. Help us to just live a life solely dedicated to you through faith. God, we pray a very special prayer for Miss Bobby Hatton at this time as she is uh, not doing well. We pray that you be with the doctors that are uh, taking care of her at the hospital. Uh, help them to resolve her issues uh, so that she can get rid of this pain uh, and, and come back home uh, and be with us, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, we've been... Two months now, two months and a week. Today is the first Sunday in March. Hard to believe uh, that the first two months of the year have already rolled by and we're in this third month. Season's changing. I know if you're like me, everybody's kind of feeling the seasonal change right in kind of this area right here. Um, but we're, we're kind of bringing this to a close so that we can go into something else. But we've been spending time talking about this idea of extraordinary faith. People from Scripture that when the moment came, when the moment came, they were able to rise up and meet the challenge that was before them. And today, as we kind of get into this, we've each one of these are kind of individuals. But as the Hebrew writer is writing, I believe that he is writing as as uh, in an individual in in the idea of an individual responsibility. But also, he's writing this letter to the church, and so there's this individual idea tagged with this, what does it do for us as a whole? And I want us to think about that a little bit this morning as we kind of get into this conversation of if, if we think about faith, if we as individuals live this life of faith and we give into what faith really is, and faith is not just a belief, faith is not just I think there's a God, faith is I think there's a God or I know there's a God and it's going to lead me to action. If we all buy into that, what does that do for us as the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ? As we go back and look, we're not going to read all of them, uh, but if we go back and look at chapter 11, if we go back and look at chapter 11, how do we see extraordinary people show their faith? And these are just some of the words that was used. They were uh, brought, uh, talking about the, the sacrifices, uh, warned, they went, they offered, blessed, they leaned, they spoke, they passed, 
passed through, actually. They marched. They faced issues. These are not words that are accomplished by sitting down, right? These are not passive words. Faith is not a passive thing. And if there's something that you learn through this, I hope that that's it. Through this first kind of conversation we have on faith is that faith is not passive. Faith is active. And that's not me. That's Scripture. He talks about it here. James talks about it. Faith is action. Faith is when I show what I believe and, and, and through the, you know, I do that through the things that I do. And in my life, there's going to be times, like we've said, I'm going to face moments that on my own, I'm not going to be able to deal with. I'm not going to be able to overcome. I'm not going to be able to accept the challenge. But I become extraordinary when I know that God's going to be right there with me and he's going to deliver me. He's going to make sure that I get to the other side of this challenge or this opportunity. That word challenge sometimes, I believe, gets lost in the idea of hardship. Sometimes challenge is not just hardship. Sometimes a challenge is an opportunity. And as a church, we may face a challenge at times, but it may not be a bad challenge. It may be a challenge of opportunity. That it may be something we've never done before, maybe something we've never experienced before, and it may not be easy, but when that moment comes, that opportunity arises. We have the, oppor we have the opportunity to live up to a greater level of faith and maybe accomplish things that we've never accomplished before. So we ask the question, but what now? What do we do with this now that we've spent some time studying? That's where I want you to go to chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verses 1, and we'll read through verse 3. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's, that's the starting point. Really, that's the pivot point. Not the starting point, it's the pivot point. He said all these things so that he could then say this. He goes, now let me remind you. He goes, we are surrounded by all of these people who have done all of these great things, who have gone from ordinary to extraordinary. They are just normal people to start with, but because of their faith, they become extraordinary people. We're surrounded with people in our faith by, like that. That's what he's saying. And, and, and as I mentioned a few times through this series, we all have our own hall of faith. We all have these people in our mind that we think of, just as the Hebrew writer thought of these, we have those own people that we think of that went from extraordinary to or went from ordinary to extraordinary. And he says, we have this. We know that this is possible. We know that we can go from there to here. And he says, so, since we know that, he gives us some, some advice here or some instruction. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want us to take these thoughts today, and I want us to look at three sections, three, three things that he says of as a church family. As a church family, how can we live in faith? What can we do to make sure that our legacy as a church doesn't stop here? What can we do as a church family to make sure that the mission of Jesus is accomplished in the time that we have here? We will never fully accomplish it until the day of judgment, until Jesus comes back. We won't see the fulfillment of that, but we can accomplish what's been given to us in the time that we are here. How do we live in faith as a church? Well, using these things that he's given us today, I think the first thing we think of is throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. 
I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things in our life, I believe, that, um, that can stop us. A lot of things that get in our way. There's a lot of distractions in our world. And, and, in, and in our mission of Jesus, it's the same thing. There's a lot of things that we allow to hinder us and get in our way. The, the thing, this is, this is, again, this is kind of me. When I hear that word hinder, I don't think of big obstacles necessarily. When I hear the word hinder, I think of little things that just kind of, they just kind of draw your attention here and there. And little, you put enough little things in the way and you are stopped from accomplishing the big thing. And so I think in our, in our walk with God and in our journey with each other, we have to make sure that we get those little things kind of where they need to go. It's not necessarily that they don't need to be dealt with. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad things, uh, not always good things, but not always bad things, but just put them in their proper perspective, put them in their proper space. A, a book that I read one time talked about the, uh, the, the, the true test of, of great leadership is when they understand what's a mountain and what's a molehill. A lot of times leaders want to make everything a mountain. Everything's big. Everything's a problem. Everything's a challenge. He goes, no, sometimes it's just a hindrance. Sometimes it's just a small thing. And I can deal with it and I can move on. But it doesn't have to take all of our attention. It doesn't have to take all of our energy. Because then when we get to the mountain problem, when we get to the big challenge, then we're so just tired and worn out and overwhelmed that we can't really face what we need to face. I've been thinking this week about some things. I guess I put them in here. What are some things that hinder us in our faith as a church family as a whole? One of the things that I thought about was if we're not careful, one of our biggest hindrance can become an inward focus. An inward focus. You know, we talk a lot about coming here and being filled up and coming here and having your needs met and coming here and and doing this and that here. And, and if we're not careful, church, if you will, becomes a place that we get into the rhythm and routine of just coming and getting. It's kind of that country club mentality. I come and I give my contribution. I pay my dues. Now you take care of me. And there's usually not a whole lot of give in that mindset. That's the beauty of discipleship. Discipleship is created by Jesus, and it is, it is ordained by Jesus as the way that we grow the church. And what uh, discipleship does is discipleship helps us find the balance between inward focus and outward focus. In true discipleship and living that lifestyle, there are times that we have to come here and be refilled. There are times that we are facing challenges in our life that are difficult and hard, and I come into the, the presence of my church family to be helped, to be healed, to be encouraged. And so there is a place and a time for that, but it can't stop there. When we're living a life of true discipleship, understand that this very well may be that place, but once I am full, once I am healed, once I am rejuvenated, once I am energized, then I go out and I pour myself back out into other people. And I fill them up and I encourage them and I, and I offer them what I have received. And then I come back in and I get refilled and I get re-energized and recharged and then I go back out. It's just a continual cycle. But if that cycle, and it's, I think it is very tempting. It is very tempting to become inward focused, especially as we watch the world unfold around us and the difficulties that the world offers. 
the, the, the things that frustrate us when we turn the news on. And so it's easy to come and retreat to this place and somewhat insulate ourselves. And, and there's nothing wrong with us being a place of protection from the things of the world, but we can't get there and get to this place and then just, just isolate and it just be about us. Because it's not just about us. As we talked about at the end of the year last year, we are the only hope that this world has. We have the message. It's Jesus' message. But if we just become internal and focus on ourselves and not those out, outside of our family, then they lose all hope. So we cannot let inward focus become a hindrance. Along with that idea, and th this kind of really really goes into that, is not matching the needs of our community. My granddaddy, he, he lives now in assisted living in Florence, uh, but my granddaddy served in full-time ministry for over 60 years. And he, he and I had a lot of conversations through the years about a lot of different things. Um, but one of his biggest one of his biggest, I guess you could say, soapboxes was when a church refused to meet the needs of its community. And he truly believed a lot of times that was because they were too inward focused. And they would do things in the community, but it was only to make themselves feel better. And they were going to do a door knocking, a prayer door knocking campaign in Savannah one time where they just go around, they knock doors and pray for people. And he uh, asked the leadership there as they were preparing this, he said, I just have one question. He goes, are we doing this because we want to save those people are we doing, or are we doing this because it makes us feel good that we're doing something? Are we doing it for us or are we doing it for them? He goes, and he says, if we're doing it for us, we're not doing it for the right reason. And, and that was just years of, of ministry and years of life that he had lived. When we do things because they make us feel good, we're not really meeting anybody else's need. We're meeting whose need? We're meeting our own need. But as a church, it is so important for us to look out into our community and go, okay, what needs are in our community? That's where our Adopt-A-School program came from. We're coming out of COVID. Our teachers are in the school buildings, and they're, 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 they're virtual this, and some days they're this, and it was just a very stressful time, and we said, okay, what can we do to maybe relieve some of that stress off of them? And this ministry was born out of that. We looked at a need, and we said, how are we going to meet that need? And now that those needs have changed, now that those needs have changed in our school system, the conversation that Jonathan and I are having, as well as with our committee, is how do we now change this ministry to meet the needs that are there now? So, it's important for us to look into our community and go, okay, these are their needs, let's go meet them. And when they see a church that's willing to go out and meet their needs, ultimately, you know what's going to happen? They're going to look at us and go, I want to be a part of that. That's a church that loves its community. That's a church that loves the individuals here. They're not just about themselves. But we have to make sure we're meeting those needs. Not doing it because we think it's going to make us feel good, not because it gives us that spiritual high. No, look at us. We're doing what, you, no, uh, we go and we roll our sleeves up and we share Jesus because those people need Jesus, not because it makes us feel better. And we meet them where they are and walk them step by step into a relationship with a Savior.
we have to make sure that that's a priority. We can't be hindered by, by not meeting those needs. I think another thing that hinders us as a church sometimes, and, and you've heard me talk about this on a Sunday night a few weeks ago, and I think we need to do more of this together. I think that we need to pray more together as a church. I think one of our hindrances can be not praying together enough. And I'm hoping with some things that kind of coming down the line as we get further into the year, I'm hoping that that changes. We've got some things that we're talking and planning and trying to put in place that I think is going to see us change that into a more positive direction. And it's great for us to pray as individuals, but I think prayer to get the prayer of a righteous man is powerful, right? But what happens when multiple righteous men get together and that power is multiplied? We need to be praying together more often. So. Let's throw off the things that hinder us and get in the way and let's keep moving in the direction. And that's the next thing I want us to think. We need to run the race marked for us. We need to run the race marked for us. And, and that's something that I've really thought about this week, about how, how to word this and how to say this and how to make sure this, how to make sure that this gets uh, across the way that it needs to get across. But I love the fact that the scripture says that Jesus or that God, we are God's workmanship. And that God has prepared for us works in advance for us to come and do and, and accomplish and achieve. He's got a plan for us and a path for us. But sometimes we can be stubborn, can't we? Anybody willing to admit that they're stubborn? Just a few of you. The rest of you are stubborn not going to raise your hand, right? Here's what we do sometimes if we're not careful. Sometimes we get this idea that church has to be a certain way. The way it's always been. Okay, one of my favorite phrases I hear when we start talking about challenges and plan or changes and plans and, and moving forward is this phrase. Jonathan, what's my favorite phrase? We've never what? We've never done it that way before. We've never done it that way before. Well, what if you've got something you've never done it this way before, but the way you're doing it isn't working anymore, right? If we are doing something one way and we're not seeing growth out of it, then apparently it's not really working, okay? And so here's what happens in church work sometimes. This pew represents we've never done it that way before. We're walking, we're living our life, we're coming up to it, we've done it the same way over and over, but nothing positive comes from it over and over. Nothing positive comes from it over and over. Nothing positive comes from it. But all I've got to do is this, and I keep walking that path. One of the hardest things to do one of the hardest things to do is change. It is. We've done this forever. We've always done it this way. But he doesn't say run the race you want to run. What does he say? Run the race what? Marked out for us. Who marks that out? Jesus. And sometimes in our life, sometimes in our ministry, we have to change. We have to look at the needs of our community and go, hey, we've never done this before, but this will meet that need. Let's try something different. Not the core important things, y'all know that. Not doctrine, not the truth. We don't change those things, but we take those things with us on the race. And we take those things with us on the journey. And as we're going, we share those things and we minister in those ways. But we run the race that Jesus has marked out for us so that we can bring others to him in that journey. The third thing, and kind of the last thing that we'll kind of talk about, but we'll park here for just a moment, is fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But just like these hindrances that we have sometimes, sometimes we fix our eyes on things and we convince ourselves that we are fixing our eyes on Jesus. Sometimes we fix our eyes on tradition and we convince ourselves that that's Jesus. But really, tradition is comfort. I believe tradition has a place. I do. I understand when I hear people say, we've never done it this way before because we're comfortable. Tradition creates creates a a sense of family community. It does. You have family traditions in in your own family that when you get together and you do these things with your family, it it, it brings you together and it brings you... um, a sense of love that so there's a place for it, but we can't let traditions become the focal point and convince ourselves that that's Jesus, because Jesus is greater than that. And sometimes those things, if we're not careful, get in the way of bringing people to Christ instead of helping people come to Christ. So we have to make sure we're fixing our eyes on Jesus and not the tradition. We have to make sure that we're fixing our eyes on Jesus and not our own personal ideas. And wants. Oh, I like it this way. Oh, I like these songs and not those songs. I like for sermons to be about this and not about that. I like this teacher and not that teacher, okay? And we convince ourselves, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm living my life, my faith the way I need to so that I can grow the way I need to. But really what you're doing when you say things like that is I am fixing my eyes on my own personal ideas and my own personal wants. I'm wanting church to be what I want it to be instead of what it needs to be, which is focused on who? Jesus. And Jesus is going to challenge us. And Jesus is going to push us. And Jesus is going to want us to grow. And when we start that, that's sometimes going to be hard. Sometimes that's going to be difficult. It's going to make us stretch. Sometimes it involves change. But when we get to that place, we have to make sure, am I focusing? Am I fixing my eyes on Jesus? Or am I fixing my eyes on myself and my ideas and wants? Then the, the third thing that I really didn't think about until I was listening, I've, I've mentioned this three times today, twice in class and once today. It was actually a 15-minute podcast, which was a very, for this particular leadership podcast that I listened to, it was very short for a majority of the stuff that they put out. But they talked about the fear of failure. The fear of failure, that a lot of times churches don't grow, churches stay in a rut, because they don't want to do anything different, not because they think it's wrong, not because they think it's unbiblical, but because they're afraid to fail. And when they fail, they think that, that they think that well, if we fail, then we've just messed everything up and we can't come back from that. But we have to look at challenges and go, okay, I'm willing to step out on my faith. That was one of Moses' biggest issues, right? Moses was afraid when God came to him that he was going to go back to Egypt and he was going to fail. He kept giving them reasons of why he can't do it. The core of that was, I might fail. I tried it once. I tried to serve you in Egypt at one point. I did it my way, and it failed. And now I'm here on the backside of this mountain with all of these sheep because I failed. And now you want me to do it again? I can't do it again. I can't do it for this reason. I can't do it for this reason. I can't do it for this reason. Because he was afraid he would fail. Fear of failure is a real thing. 
But if you're afraid to fail, you'll never succeed. If you're afraid to fail, then you'll never succeed. Never. If you're not willing to take risk for God, if you're not willing to step out on your faith and do things you've never done before and serve in ways you've never done before, be a disciple in a way that you've never done before, then you'll never succeed and grow in the kingdom. See, if I fix my eyes on Jesus and I keep looking at him, and I know as long as I'm moving in this direction, he's going to take care of me. Yeah, I may fall flat on my face. I may, I may, I may get it wrong. I may, not, I may have a bad idea. It may have a good, a good thought, but the way we, we lay it out and plan it out, it may just fall flat on his face, but that's okay. We get up and we keep going. David's my favorite example of that. David has his affair with Bathsheba. He has her husband killed. His punishment is the loss of his child, unfortunately. And, and, and he's, he's, he's praying and he's, he's fasting and trying to talk to God to, into changing his mind. And, and, and then he gets word that, hey, your son passed. And he gets up and he goes and he says, hey, I can't bring him back, but I can go to him. I failed. But I can't let that stop me from continuing to try to succeed in my walk with God. And he becomes known as the man after what? God's own heart. If he had been afraid of failure, he would have never gotten that nickname. So we cannot be afraid of failure. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. This is one of the most intriguing questions that I think about on nearly a daily basis. What's next for Ninth Avenue? That question excites me. At times that question scares me. Sometimes I get worried about it a little bit. But above all, it excites me. Because there's no telling what's next for us here at Ninth Avenue. One of the things that I do know is it's going to be different than the past. It's not going to be the same as the present. It's going to be its own thing. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a positive thing. I think that's growth. I think as long as we keep those core values, as long as we keep those core truths where they need to be and we fix our eyes on Jesus above everything else, then he is going to allow us and bless us to create that which needs to be created in this church family to save people in this community. And I feel so blessed by that. I know that over the last couple of years, we've been, we've been trying to uh, find our footing and, and, and kind of relay a foundation and, and, and so that we can move forward again. But you know, two of the things that came out of this COVID time, this COVID period, uh, that, that's really grown has, has been this Adopt-A-School ministry and it has been our online ministry presence. And we have seen positive growth and baptisms out of both of those ministries. Has it always been perfect and easy? No. Has there been challenges with it? Absolutely. We fixed our eyes on Jesus. We've tried to show his love so that we can bring people to Jesus through all of that. And Jesus has blessed those things. What's the next thing he's going to bless? I don't know yet. But I know as long as we do these things, and we keep walking that race marked out in front of us by him, he's going to bless them. And we're going to be able, as a church, to rise up and meet the challenges before us so that we can go from ordinary to extraordinary. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. We thank you for this book of Hebrews.
in chapters 11 and 12 that just challenge us and force us to think about who we are and what our focus is and what we're trying to accomplish, God. I know that I know that, that growth and change, it can be scary. I know that it can be, it can be uncomfortable. But help us, God, to be a church that's not afraid. Help us to be a church that's, that's not afraid to be what you want, to be what you're calling us to be in this moment. And even though that might look different sometimes and feel different from what it might have been in the past, God, help us to just be at peace with that, knowing that if you are blessing it, then it is of you. Help us to remember the importance of your son in all of this, in his death. Let us use that as our, our ultimate motivation so that we can go out and save souls, bring people closer to you, bring people into a relationship with you, God. That is our, our, our mission. That is our purpose is to create disciples and help us to take that serious, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. And Twitter. Morning stars began. Father, love. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.